Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. How much longer will justice be when a lawless heart is the voice Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. This is Shane Claiborne, and uh, many of you are listening to the radio show. Some of you are listening to the podcast. It is... Uh, a, a beautiful and um, heavy time to be alive right now, especially as we enter this season of Advent. Um, you know, I'm not not everybody maybe listening is a Christian or certainly from a tradition that um, celebrates Advent the same way. But for hundreds and hundreds of years, going back to like the fourth and fifth centuries, um, Christians around the world have entered this season leading up to Christmas as one, the beginning of a new year, but also with the birth of Christ. And it's also sort of a reminder that the narrative and the story we're a part of is not the story of empires and uh, kings and Caesars and presidents, but it's the birth of the Prince of Peace, Jesus, uh, Emmanuel, God with us at, at Easter and Advent Christmas here. Um, but it's also with a really heavy heart that I think many of us are watching what's happening in um, that very holy land that Jesus lived and walked and was executed in um, and uh, towns like Bethlehem that we, you know, sing Christmas carols about are um facing tremendous violence right now. And and so we're going to talk about that today. And and I um, can't imagine uh, anyone I'd rather, you know, pray and grieve and um, hope with than May Cannon, who is a friend, been a longtime partner with Red Letter Christians. And um, among the many, the, the many things that she helps lead, um, our church is, is a group called Churches for Middle East Peace, and they've been doing this work for uh, lots and lots of years before the current crisis uh, in the form that we see it in right now has happened. Um, so first, welcome in a busy season um, and a heavy season, May. Thanks for carving out some time to talk. It's always um, good to be with you, Shane. I look forward to when we can have a conversation and celebrate <laughs> celebrate good things. So I'm sorry for these circumstances, but happy to be with nice. you. And, uh, you know, you've been really busy trying. Uh, but I think, you know, before we get to where we are right now, like it's important that this has been um many, many, many years of working for peace and uh, de-escalation of violence, um, um, working for the dignity of people living on both sides of this horrendous wall that separates uh, the state of Israel and Palestine of the West Bank. And tell us just a little backdrop of um, of, of the, you know, the, the work that you're doing with Churches for Middle East Peace and some of the partners that you work with. 
Sure. So Churches for Middle East Peace next year will be our 40th anniversary. And I'm so grateful to um, have inherited, you know, being able to lead and partner in the ministry. Um, We're based in Washington, D.C., We have more than 30 member communions and denominations across the ecumenical spectrum of Catholics, Orthodox, Evangelicals, Peace Churches. And, you know, in the middle of this particular moment where there's such an escalation of violence, we actually have denominations coming to us saying we want to be involved. We want to be partnering with other Christians, you know, to stand against violence. And so our work is growing. And we work on the ground, you know, we formed in the 80s to focus specifically on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. It, it, it used to be believed if you could solve, you know, what historically was called the problem of Palestine, then there would be peace in the Middle East. And then escalations, you know, expanded beyond to Syria and other parts of the Arab world. And now here we are, Back to looking at this question of, you know, what's it mean for Palestinians and Israelis to live side by side in peace? And it's the geopolitical question of our time that is the can that keeps getting kicked down the road. And so every few years we have a war and there, there's always death and then more death. And now here in 2023, we're seeing, you know, these catastrophic numbers <laughs> in terms of death. You know, yeah. but we partner. We partner on all sides. We we partner with Israelis. We partner um, with religious Jews, with secular Jews, with human rights groups. We partner with Palestinian Christians, um, and so we advocate for human rights and economic and humanitarian assistance and long lasting peace and equality for all people. Yeah so important and you know I, I think a lot of folks this is it feels distant right it feels like it's a long way away and yet now we're seeing like uh thousands tens of thousands in some places millions of people in the streets and i can remember when i was in iraq during the the, the war in iraq um uh, there were folks there that said this is very connected to what's happening in Israel and Palestine. Like um, the the ripples that come out of this, and in some ways, the conflict in Israel and Palestine is kind of a mirror to the rest of the world. It's a microcosm. There's principalities and powers and um, theologies that uh, are kind of um, surface there that then, you know, now we, we see so many people that are trying to figure out how to talk about this. Right. And, and, uh, and the escalation of, um, uh, violence against Muslims, um, and Palestinians, uh, the violence, the anti-Semitic violence, college campuses. I was at the university of Pennsylvania last night are absolutely split and shattered over this. So, um, the 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 you i heard you say so powerfully that this is not just about um israel and palestine but this is also about choosing love over hatred will you say a little bit more about that because it was such a powerful framework for what i think this really is well and i learned that from john perkins you know who um Uh, talked all the time about civil rights work and being in Mississippi. And he always said that the natural response to injustice is to feel hatred, Uh, you know, and so he talked about his brother being killed by, you know, police officers. And as an African-American man in the South that, you know, he was almost beaten to death. And then he tells the story about being 
beaten almost to death and being on a hospital bed. And he says that there was a white doctor who um, literally brought him back to life. And he says that doctor loved the hatred right out of me. And mm. I, and I, I always think about that because um, I get so angry when you hear about, I mean, one of my closest friends, uh, her name is Shireen and uh, early on in this, you know, particular escalation of violence, her aunt uh, was killed. Um, there was a church that was next to a building that was bombed. And so a part of the church was also bombed. And so 18 Christians in Gaza died. And one of my closest friends, her aunt was killed uh, in this bombing of St. Porphyria's church uh, in Gaza. And, you know, I, I've wept with her and, and I just, it, and it broke my heart. And, and you hear people around the world say, well, it's Hamas's fault, you know, or or it's their fault. They voted for it. It's their fault, meaning Palestinian civilians in Gaza, like they deserve to be bombed because, you know, they voted for Hamas, <laughs> you know, like like this justification, right? This that it's okay for us to kill people. Like I, I just and then honestly, Shane, like, I don't know if it was a week later or two weeks later, you know, I check in with Shireen every few days and I called her and her uncle had gotten sick and it had some type of medical situation. And because of the Israeli ground incursion, he could not get to the hospital. And so he died. And so she lost these two family members within the course of just weeks, hmm. you know, and, and the natural feeling to that is just like feeling so angry. And, and I've been so angry, like with the American government and then, you know, Christians, Christianity Today saying, if you don't stand with the government of Israel, <laughs> yeah. you're not standing on the side of God. And I'm like, what God are you talking about? I worship a God of love and a God of peace and a God of life, not death, you know? Yeah. And so this is a transformational journey for me. And I resist it. Like, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I am, um, it, this is hard, hard stuff. It's hard yeah. stuff. And I mean, what we are seeing are a lot of people that are trying to figure out how to think about this. And even people that have been really active on other issues. Um, I mean, I was on a call with folks that I really deeply love and respect and have organized around gun violence and the death penalty and other things. But the question of Zionism came up and people had really different definitions. I've seen a really terrible version of Zionism that you're familiar with and many of our mm -hmm. listeners are familiar with that kind of says the history of the Bible and scripture has a unique place for Israel. And they equate that like ancient Hebrew people with the current geographical state of Israel and kind of allow this blank check for anything to happen because these are God's appointed people. And there's all kinds of holes in that because they also say they're going to hell if they don't know Jesus. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. But all that aside, <laughs> there were other Jewish folks on that call that said, to us, Zionism is just the fact that Israel has a right to exist as a nation mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. to defend itself. And so, you know, it, it, I, I think that that one of the things that's become clear to me is that we need to differentiate between the people and the, the, the leaders in these regions, right? So like Hamas did something really terrible on October 7th, and yet it's not fair to 
punish the people of Gaza for the sins of Hamas. And likewise, you know, to be able to not differentiate between Jewish people or the people that live in Israel from the state of Israel and the policies and the current atrocities that the state of Israel is responsible for. Um, that idea of like collective punishment that you're right. going to suffer because of the things you're uh, leaders are doing or people that claim to be your leaders are doing like that's part of the problem right is we we kind of are choosing it's kind of like a football match or something that people are choosing sides and people are suffering like tragically and I just I, I don't get it the politicians are like we're so mad at the killing of children on October 7th that we're now willing to kill that's right. children right that's right yeah yeah one of the things I have been doing um, is we have invited any church that wants to have, you know, someone from Churches for Middle East Peace come, we're willing to come. And it's less to tell you what it means. It's less to tell the answers and it's more to enter into the learning experience together. You know, mm. people call me an expert. I have three master's degrees and two doctorates and I'm telling you, I am learning. And so how many, I, I look on Facebook and social media and how many peacemakers do we have out there that all think that they're experts that know the answer here. And I look at the Beatitudes that say, blessed are the peacemakers, right? Yeah. Blessed are the peacemakers. It, it also says, blessed are the meek. And so, like, I think we have to enter into this with a sense of humility that um, we don't know all the answers. And so, so I guess what I mean by that is, um, I think there is a sense of, I think that we should have righteous indignation for any death. And honestly, this, this, I, I preached the other day uh, in a very, very conservative, very, very pro-Israel uh, context. And I think I said, I hate Hamas. And, and I really was talking about how I hate the actions of what happened on October 7th, that I detest those actions. And someone came up to me afterward and said, it was really hard to listen to you talking about being a peacemaker because you said you hate Hamas. And I thought, like, that's so true, right? That's so true. Could we even say that, like, God has a heart, like, even as we're talking about this, like, what's it mean to see all people as, as people? All people. Yeah. Like, even Hamas, right? Like, and she's not allowed to say that. Oh, my gosh. If I, like, I, I just, sorry, I, I'm probably making it more complex or more confusing rather than helpful. My point is, I think we need to be humble. And yeah, you also, yeah. go ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, it's so good. And, I, you know, I was thinking about another conversation. These all blur together, right, because we're organizing around this all the time. But a friend of mine was talking about um, one of the uh, Palestinian folks in the West Bank. Um, and they were asking him about the... the um, the Israeli Defense Force, the the military mm -hmm. folks that were they were right there. This is in the town of Janine, I believe, which has now been really wrecked with the violence there in the West Bank. And so he was talking to this this young guy though, and said, "You know, how do you feel about that soldier?" And he said, "This is interesting." This Palestinian young person said, "I hate the uniform, but I love the person behind it." Mm. And there's, there's a part of this that, you know, we have scripture that really helps us navigate this in the Christian tradition. It says we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Uh, and mm -hmm. and yeah, those I think what's difficult is that these principalities and powers don't just exist without human hands. Right. Like these bombs don't just fall out of the sky in Gaza. Like there's people that are 
a part of participating in that violence. And so it's it's really hard, you know. To, to, that's right. That's right. Between the flesh and blood and the principalities and powers. That's right. And and not only, you know, as you talk about even, you know, the bombing in Gaza and the implementation of those actions of violence, not only is there the political action, you know, let's talk about like, so the Israeli government may be the one dropping the bombs. Many of those bombs are American bombs that are being sold to Israel or, or you know, are, are given to Israel as aid or whatever. But then you have Christians around the world that are saying that that's the act of God or that that's the will of God or that that's and that. And, and then you also have and this probably hurts me even more than than that ideology and theology is the Christians who are silent and yes. saying we shouldn't get involved because it's political. Or, or that we should, it's the silence of the Christian community. And, and you know, and, and honestly, for people who, um, which by the way, I am not an anti-Zionist, which I get in a lot of trouble if I confess that, because um, just what you said about Zionism, there are so many definitions of Zionism that um, I, I think you have to define what you're talking about. You know, just, you were saying that earlier, and... Um, I yeah. think for people who really believe, you know, that, um, the Jewish people have, um, a special calling by God, uh, you know, because the scriptures teach that if you really love the Jewish people of Israel, it is absolutely in the best interest of Jewish people in Israel and around the world for safety and security to care about their Palestinian neighbors. There, there's no there's no future or safety or security for anyone if you ignore the safety and security of the other. There's just not. And I, I think that starting point is often ignored. Yeah, that, that, that's so interesting. And, you know, and, and, and it kind of uh, helps with the whole point that the, 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 the reason for a God having a people and and if you think that's Israel, you know, historically, if you think that's the church, the body of Christ today, like the whole point is to be a visible manifestation of God's love, right? right? To be this light in the world. And yet so much of what we're happening, we see happening right now um, is not light. It is not love. It is uh, not the things that lead to peace. And there's many Jewish folks that are in the streets decrying the the the, the violence of Israel right now. And and it has so much integrity because many of them are devout Jews, even in the West Bank and in in um, in Israel, right? That are that are saying this is wrong. Um, and so thank God that there are Christians that are calling this out. That there are um, Jewish folks, uh, Muslims. You mentioned that the the US has uh, um a responsibility in all of this because this war in many ways is being funded and manufactured in the United States. I mean I I was heartbroken when I saw one of the pictures of the bombs um specifically the 155 millimeter artillery shells that is being is killing thousands of people in in Gaza that it's manufactured right here in Pennsylvania in Biden's hometown of Scranton. Like, and now we see like there's a protest being planned there, a vigil, a solemn remembrance of the lives lost that my friends are organizing. But um, 
that this is not just Israel's war. It's the United States's war uh, in many ways as well, right? That's right. Yeah. And when you right. when you when you're thinking of, I think on the good. I want to get to the good news. I think of that old sermon of E. E. Hill. <laughs> Uh, May where he goes, get to the good news. The good news is like there are a lot of people who are speaking with such moral um, courage and credibility. And some of those are your dear friends, people that I love and respect that we're trying to celebrate their voices. So in the month of December, we have uh, Munther Isaac, that's our guest for prayer um, uh, th- this week. Um, we also are um, celebrating Mitri Rehab's work, his so many books that he's written, but uh, Faith um, in the Face of Empire and his new book, Decolonizing pa- Palestine. Um, and there's others, right? So um the fact that these Palestinian theologians and pastors and leaders have written an open letter to the to the larger body of Christ saying, you know, th- these are ancient roots we have here. And in many ways, they have a lot to teach us about nonviolence, about what it means to be peacemakers. Um, so do you want to say anything more about that? Because I know these rela- relationships are so important to you. And it changes things when we realize that this is not just a um, the kind of um, the framework that we've been given for this, that there's no Christians in Palestine or something is absurd, right? That's right. That's right. This week, um, I had the privilege um, and Churches for Middle East Peace with three other groups. Uh, we hosted three Palestinian Christians from Jerusalem and Bethlehem. So Munther, uh, Itzhak was one of them, Jack Sarah, uh, and Tamar Haddad. And they came to Washington, D.C., and they brought with them a letter that was signed by a number of church leaders from Bethlehem talking about why Christmas celebrations are not happening this year in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. And we met with the White House on Tuesday, and it will be delivered, we were assured, to President Biden. Um, And they met with, you know, members of um, the Senate and the House and the State Department, all like their whole reason for coming, which actually is dangerous, and they're leaving their families in the midst of this war, you know, and so uh, it's a great sacrifice for them to come to say to the United States, please, 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 like literally all we want for Christmas, (laughs) I think there's songs about like all we want for Christmas is world peace, but you know, just to call for a ceasefire and to say, like, as the Christian community, the very existence of the Christian community in Bethlehem and in the historic Holy Land, let alone in Gaza, is at risk of disappearing. It's at risk of, I mean, Christians are leaving and and they're leaving like forever where, you know, the great fear is that churches in the very town where Jesus was born will become museums where there will be no living Christians there um, because Lord. of the realities of what's happening there. Lord have mercy. And, I, you know, at one point there were, uh, I, I was seeing all the numbers, you know, they fluctuate a little bit. And some of that's exactly what you're pointing out based on the volatility of the conflict and uh, in, in the Holy Land. But the numbers almost mirror each other of like uh, a couple hundred thousand Christians on the uh, Palestinian side and on the Israeli side. And to think that these churches that have now been destroyed the the church some of the religious spaces christian spaces in uh gaza go back hundreds of years are the oldest you know in the top 10 oldest churches that we have in our lineage that this little town of bethlehem that's right where jesus was born is in the west bank 
And I've got on my desk a tear gas canister that was fired into Bethlehem that these Palestinian families have turned into Christmas ornaments. But it's also a way of naming the fact that things are not are not well. You know, they're trying to have faith and hope and believe that something um you know that life is more powerful than death and 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 yet like uh if we aren't careful we miss the whole point of the christmas story right which is that jesus came left all the comfort of heaven and was born a baby refugee with brown skin palestinian uh jewish <laughs> right transcending all barriers of the flesh world and and showing us that god is with us and and you know the fact that jesus was born in a time where there were many babies being massacred as scripture tells us uh that this is god's act of solidarity with all those who are suffering and i think of a uh, you know, our brother Munther, as he said, you know, when he was asked, where's God in all of this violence and this war, mm-hmm. saying God God is under the rubble. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we, we, if nothing else, y'all, today, let's stand in solidarity with our friends in Bethlehem and throughout uh, the Holy Land as we uh, maybe don't cancel Christmas, but we celebrate the, the real birth of Jesus into a violent world to show us the way that leads to peace. And right now, grieving all the lives that have that have been lost, it, um, in 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 calling for a de-escalation and a violence. Uh, so, May, in the last minute, we it went fast. But any <laughs> ways that people can continue to follow or to step up and take action right now? Yes, yes. I just at the verses that um I've been resonating on are you know John chapter one where we're told that. Um, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overwhelm it, you know, and so the darkness of this moment will not overwhelm the light. And might we be faithful in taking action in this moment? And so the invitation, we're inviting people in Advent, you know, in the United States to call members of Congress every day. If you're not in the U.S., you can still call your elected officials to call and advocate for peace. And the and peace is in the best interest of the world, of Israelis, of Palestinians, of the people of Gaza. And so, and I think it's a transformational journey. You know, God calls us to love not only our neighbor, but our enemy. And often I think who the world tells us our enemy is, is not. It's actually, <laughs> Come on, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, even, and, even no matter who you believe the enemy is in this situation, uh, uh, we are called to to love our enemy, and Scripture says, "If your enemy's hungry, feed them. If your enemy is thirsty, give right. them something to drink." That we are showed through Christ that we are to wear evil down with love, and not to that mirror. Right. So, y'all, let's do it. You heard That's it from right. Faith Cannon. We're going to hear a lot more from her. Uh, we're we're <laughs> doing everything that we can together to stand with churches for Middle East peace, and also all of our friends uh, working for peace in Israel and Palestine. So. Amen out of time for today but thanks for listening in thank you may bless you sister and may may we all go to be peacemakers in the name of jesus the prince of peace amen amen we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the red letter christians podcast too often christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in 
but at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.